how nervous I get when I come up here. How long have I been here? My heart is like, shh. I think some of it's the presence of the Lord. It was so beautiful this morning. Um, I just, I want to start in prayer. Father, I just love you so much, and I'm so grateful for your love for each and every one of us. And Father, I just humble myself before you today. Lord, I just ask to be an instrument of your love. That the things that are upon your heart would flow freely from my heart. That they wouldn't just be words on a page. But Father, that they would go deeply into the hearts of your sons and your daughters. That you, Holy Spirit, have already come this morning and prepared the garden of their hearts. That they would be able to receive the seed from you not from me. I just willingly give myself as a tool for you today. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So the name, uh, I've already titled this, and it's called The One Thing, The One Thing. Before I get into it, I wanted to go back a couple of weeks, and, you know, the words have been so weighty, not heavy, but just substance to them. A couple of weeks ago, Steve Lamphere brought the word, and he talked about the promises of God. And as I sat there, I realized that there are so many promises of God, scriptures that he's given to me personally that I forgot about. And the Holy Spirit started bringing these scriptures back to mind as we were listening to his word. And, you know, when we study the promises of God, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, it builds our faith. It builds our faith. Good morning, Belinda. It's so good to see you. Um, It builds our faith. It strengthens our spirit. And it renews our mind. Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've needed my mind renewed lately. Yes. And then last week, remember, Kathy stood up and gave a prophetic word. But the first thing that she said was this phrase, give up your life. And I think you kind of noticed today, you know, we're heading into Pentecost. But the Lord wants our life. He wants our heart. He wants our life. He wants it all. And sometimes it feels like a sacrifice, but the reward is so wonderful. The reward is so wonderful. Sometimes it feels a little difficult when he asks us to give up some of the things that he's asked us to give up. But oh, when we give it up. Because he says, those that lose their life will find it. We're going to find it. So I want to start with a story today. Uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> read this story because I don't want to miss any of it. It's a true story. And it took place back in 1732. And it's about two young men in their 20s. One's name is John and the other's name is David. These men left their jobs and families to become the first Moverian missionaries. 
They'd heard that there were 3,000 slaves that had been sold into slavery on an island in the West Indies. And the Lord began to place this burden on their heart for these slaves. Um, They were forced, obviously, into slavery, but there was only one problem. The British slave owner, he was an atheist. He would not let any missionaries on the island. He defiantly announced no preacher, no clergy will ever stay on this island. And if they're shipwrecked, I'm going to put them in a separate house and they're going to stay there until I can get them out of here. So the gentleman began to realize that the only way that they were going to be able to share the gospel with these slaves was to become slaves themselves. This was not an easy decision, nothing that they came by easily. They would be working as slaves on the island for the rest of their lives, and they would never be able to return home. So normally missionaries go out on the mission field for a certain amount of time, and then they come back, and they rest, and they raise more funds, and they spend time with family, but that wasn't the case with David and John. They were going to sell themselves into slavery for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wanted more than anything to answer the call of God. That's all they wanted to do and please Jesus with their lives. On October 8th, in 1732, their family stood on the dock weeping, knowing that they would never see their sons, their brothers again, their friends. As the ship pulled away with the young men aboard, they linked arms together, and they shouted back to their loved ones they were leaving behind. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his blessing. Those very words became an anthem and an inspiration for thousands of missionaries who would follow in their footsteps, not realizing they had birthed a missions movement. Over the next 150 years, the Mavarians sent out two thousand missionaries to places all over the world. So what do you think this would mean to Jesus? This is really one of the purest examples of love. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, when I think of Jesus, if we were to sit down and we were to list the characteristics of what Jesus is, love would be the very first thing that I would say. His great love. He is love, and he's so passionate about us. He's so passionate about loving us, and he is so passionate about us loving him back. You can't separate the two. They're forever linked together. He loves us, and we love him. It's one. It can never be separated. When we make that decision to lay our life down and love Jesus more than anything in the world, it's a constant. 
Jesus shared with us the most important commandment. It's found in Matthew 22. I'm going to read it for you, 37 through 38. I'm just going to read that. Uh, Actually, I'm going to read 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. So he's one of the religious leaders. They were trying to test Jesus and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus immediately responded, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. just a second. So we're to love the Lord. In the Passion, it says, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. It's the supreme commandment, it says. So I'd like us to just take a closer look at this. It's a command. God has hundreds of commands in his word. God is always very clear, and he's very direct with his commands. He doesn't make anything difficult for us. He's not religious. For myself, today, it's simple. But there was a time when it wasn't. See, our love for Jesus is what he desires the most from us. I feel like it's getting heavy in here, and I don't want it to be heavy. I want you to receive this, because I know it's the Father's heart. The seasons that we're we're going to walk in, if we don't love him with all of our heart, if we do not have that intimate relationship without that love, we cannot be led by the Spirit. We can't hear what the Holy Spirit is telling us. We won't understand the signs and the seasons and the times. I pray and I just urge you today to seek the Lord with all of your heart, that you would love him with every part of your being. Out of everything that God could have chosen, everything, you think God created everything in the world out of everything that he could have chosen to desire and want, he chose us. He desired us to love him out of everything else. That is so humbling that the God of the universe that created everything, that created me, that breathed life into my lungs in the secret place, The thing he desired the most when I was born was for me to love him. So Jesus wants us to fall in love with him this very moment. He passionately yearns for it. And I want to ask you, will you give him what he passionately desires today? If you haven't, would you give that to Jesus? Because he's asking us, You see, love always gives 
what their beloved desires, because love longs to please. Jesus made it so simple for us to find the path of love to him. Like I said before, he didn't complicate it. He made it very clear. Jesus is the one that turns chaos into peace. When our life is upside down, and the enemy is coming at every angle, and we feel chaos and warfare, he's the one that speaks peace to my storm and rest. And he's the only one. So I kind of want to tell you a little bit about something about me. So I became a Christian when I was just a little girl. I was five years old. It was in the midst of a revival, and I remember I was standing right beside my Aunt Vi with my curly blonde hair, my little pink dress, and there was an invitation that was given. And I had this feeling come over me. I had never felt that before. I know now it was the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart. And I pulled on Aunt Vi's skirt, and I said, I have to go down, I have to go down. And I went down, and I asked Jesus into my heart. But you know, life happened. Things happened in my life. And I chose a different course. I still loved God. Sometimes I went to church when I left home, but not all the time. I knew he loved me. I knew he was there. But I was angry, and I was hurt, and I was bitter. Then came the day. I moved to Vermont, and things were not okay here. And I would go to this one window in the house. I'm a creature of habit. So I've always gotten up early and prayed. Even when I was a little girl, I would get up early and read my Bible and pray. And I'd go to the same window. My life was a nightmare. It was a disaster. And I got on my knees and I would plead with God, if you are real, the God that I heard about from the time I was a little girl, please reveal yourself to me. Please show me. Over 32 years ago, he did. And he brought me to this house. He brought me here. At that time, the Lord began to take me on a journey. And it was a journey of first love. I was so in love with Jesus. It was one of the most beautiful seasons of my life. I would get up in the middle of the night and I would sit at the dining room table and I would read my Bible and I would pray for hours. I just was so hungry to know him. I wanted to know him. I wanted to hear his voice. I I wanted to feel the beating of his heart. It was my greatest desire. At one point, I don't know why, but I just got this idea in my head that I wanted to see his face. For months and months and months, I would pray. I would cry out, God, I I just want to see your face, Jesus. Just let me see your face. I would beg and plead with him. And one early, early morning, as I did, I was up on our property and I was walking out by the pond. 
And I began to just weep and weep. And I fell to my knees. And I said, Jesus, if you won't let me see your face, would you just let me see your feet? Would you just let me see your feet? And so that night, I had a dream. And I dreamt that I was taking my son Ryan out for pizza. And we went to this pizza place. It was a really nice pizza place. It wasn't like your normal pizza joint. I mean, there were white tablecloths on the tables. And we were going because there was this really special hockey game that he wanted to see. And it was the only place we could watch it. So the restaurant's pretty full. And there are windows all along the front of the, the uh, restaurant. It's kind of like a strip mall. And you could see the lines of people. And I remember as I saw people, because for years I was a waitress at Simon Pierce, I would see some of my customers. I'd be like, oh, look who that is, look who that is. Now, I want you to understand that to come into the restaurant, the doors didn't just open right into the restaurant. So there was kind of an entryway, and there was a door on this side, and there was a door on this side. And suddenly, this door opened up. You couldn't see who it was. And everyone in the restaurant fell on their face. Everyone. Ryan and I were underneath the table. All I could see was the white tablecloth. And suddenly, these two feet with the nail scarred on his feet. And I reached out and touched them. I said, oh, Lord, it's you. When I woke up, I was on the floor. And I was shaking so much under the presence of God. I had the fear of the Lord on me because I had seen his feet. And I got up. I'd fallen asleep on the couch. So I was on the floor in the living room. And I got up and I sat on the couch. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to see your face. Because I saw his feet and I thought I was going to die. From that point on, somehow, in the busyness of life, my heart began to wane. You know, sometimes that happens. We become busy. We're busy doing good things. I was busy in the ministry. I was busy here. I was teaching the children's ministry, and we were having prayer and Bible studies. I was busy, 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 and I was doing all these really good things. They're good things. The Lord wants us to do all these things. But it was taken away from my time with the Lord. You know, God gives another command. It's very clear and it's very direct. Thou shalt have no other idols before me. See, I didn't realize I'd become so busy doing the good stuff that it had taken his place. In a marriage, to keep it alive and thriving, you have to spend intimate time alone. And the same is with Jesus. If you want it to last, you have to make that time. Honestly, my life from that point 
went up and down and up and down. See, I didn't really realize at the time. It was this winter that the Lord took me back and began to show me things. We've all been very transparent here in the pulpit over the past months, and I'm going to be transparent with you. This winter was hard for me. It was dark. I was depressed. There were days I didn't want to get out of bed. I still came. I put a smile on my face. Most of you didn't know I was a really good actress. I did a good job. No, it didn't pay well. My heart had become cold, and it had become indifferent. But all along in that time, as I was realizing it, I was pleading with Jesus every morning and every night. I was even struggling reading the word and praying. I just would plead with him, please, don't let me stay in this place. Please don't leave me here. Not very long ago, I went to sleep just a few weeks ago. I went to sleep one way, and I woke up a different way. Unbeknownst to me, the creator, the lover of my soul, came. And he touched me. And he began to heal my heart. And show me how much he loved me. I was the one that had walked away. I was the one that had become so busy. Not Jesus. He never left my side. He never. He constantly made invitations. And I would go a little way, but... I was so angry. It was ugly. And then Jesus touched me. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. Remember the crowds of people were all around her. And she just got on her knees and reached in and touched the hem of his garment. And he knew. Who touched me? He knew his power had left and he had healed her. That's what happened to me. Somehow, in my pleading, I was able to touch the hem of his garment. And in his time, when the time was right, he healed me. The name of this message is Only One Thing. I want to read a story to you. It's a story in the Bible. You've heard it a million times. We just heard it a few weeks ago. It's found in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. You know, the Lord gave me kind of a revelation this morning and last night as I was preparing. Isn't it interesting that I saw his feet? And that's where Mary sat. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. 
I don't want to be anywhere else. I didn't make that connection until last night. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But Jesus, he said to her, Oh, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details, all these distractions. There is one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will never be taken from her. Only one thing. There is only one thing that matters, and it's being at the feet of Jesus, delighting in his presence and loving him. Mary was free from the work and the distractions and all the stress. Mary's mind wasn't consumed about everything that needed to be done. She wasn't consumed with the ministry and serving. Her focus was fixed on her beloved, and Mary wanted nothing more than to be close to her Lord. She wanted to touch him, and she wanted to hear his voice. She wanted Jesus above all things. Love wants to be close to him. When we love him, we want to be close to him. Psalm 17, 8 says, Hide me in the shadow of your wings. This is the one thing we all need. This is a treasure. It's the pearl of great price. People can lie about you. They can ruin your reputation. They can steal from you but the one thing that they can never take from you is his love. It's not up for sale. He's the only one that can give it, and nobody can take it away from us. I just want you to understand that there's nothing wrong with serving in the church and having a ministry, but when we truly are doing it because We love Jesus. It's just going to happen. We're just going to be about the business of the kingdom because we're so in love with him. We're not going to be consumed and worried because we're just walking in love. We're just walking in love. And we're like, oh, that's right, Lord. I need to do that. Okay. We go. We take care of it. I want you to understand that if Jesus loves you and you love him back, you can't help but obey him. You can't help but obey him. It's going to come naturally. Love first. Then do what you please. Because doing what you please is going to please him when you're walking in his love. Jesus is our source of serving. He's our source of love. He wants us to desire him. 
Matthew 10.39 said, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will find it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13.3, Though I give my life to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. We can work in this ministry. We can serve. We can give to the poor and feed the needy. We can clothe them and take care of the widows. But if the foundation of everything we do is not love from Jesus, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. I'd like you all to close your eyes for a minute, please. And as you close your eyes, I'd like you to just clear your mind. Clear your mind of all clutter, every distraction, everything that the enemy's trying to pull on right now. And just rest in his presence here today. Fill his love. It's like this warm oil, the balm of Gilead. It's come today to heal us and to set us free. I want you to ask Jesus today to make him your one thing, to make him your desire, because nothing else matters. I just want you, Jesus. I don't want blessings. I don't want things. I just want you, Jesus. Jesus, help us to be consumed by you. Help us to know true love. In this season, would you birth it in all of our hearts that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we would love not another. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. I'm done. Bless, bless, bless. Sorry about that. That was beautiful. So many things. So many things go through my mind. The uh, story of the two gentlemen who became slaves, exchanged their lives for others, and we know one who exchanged his life for ours. That was Jesus. And what Debbie's trying to express is this life that from the five years old Psalms 139, her story before she entered her mother's womb. All of these things that the father had written concerning her, that his son exchanged his life for her sin and the power of sin and death. And now she's exchanging her life. We all made the confession, whether it be five years old, he holds us to our word. Hello? He never forgets. It's recorded in heaven. But he also is always there to see us walk it out. 
Psalms 139, to watch that exchange take place. For Jesus, it took place on a cross. What did he say? Take up your cross daily and follow me. So where do we see the exchange take place? When he was on the cross, he said, Who is my mother? Who is my father? But they that do the will of my father. So that was beautiful because this intimacy, this trembling, because these carnal bodies cannot, cannot stand in pure, pure light, the purity of the Father. But he does give us glimpses, even if it's his feet. It's, in, it's enough to cause our bodies to quake. But also, that was an answer to a request. He would not deny his daughter, would he? Look at Moses. It required a burning bush because the power and the presence of God could not be there or it would have killed him. But came off the mountain and he was a changed man. So thank you. That was beautiful. Hallelujah. Well, for all of you that have joined us this morning, all of you online, we bless you. Prepare yourself for these coming days of the day of Pentecost, but realizing it's a work that continuously takes place in and through our lives from the moment that we ask them to come into our lives for these appointed times. But also, I just want to encourage you, draw close to those who you trust. Be mindful. Realize that our adversary comes as an angel of light. So allow that intimacy, the Holy Spirit, that communion, that union with the Holy Spirit, always be ever with you in these days ahead. Did you want to share something? Yeah. I have something Okay. I just wanted to say um, happy Mother's Day to everyone that's here and that is watching this morning across the world. And I just want to bless you all, all of you mothers. I want the blessing of God to come upon you in a tangible way. And I pray that this year, this year from today forward, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. His heart the heart, the part of him that is the mother's heart. You know, it has been said that uh, God couldn't be everywhere, so he created mothers. He has created a mother's heart. And I pray that every wound that has hurt the mother's heart be healed this year. That you walk through with peace as he is the healer. And you still walk forward with hope. The hope of his promise. Trust him. No matter what it looks like. And believe for your children, your own children, your adopted children, your spiritual children. Continue to walk forward in faith, hope, and love because the true love will conquer all of it. So I bless you today in earnestness. 
I cherish you. I say that God cherishes you. And he has been with you and will continue to walk with you every day of your life. So may the blessings of heaven fall upon you this year. And may the dreams and your hopes be realized. And may the prodigals come home to Jesus. I join with you. I agree with the prayers for your children. Never give up. Never give up. May the prodigals come home. In Jesus' name, I just bless you. Amen. Only, only Kathy can say it. We bless.